Welcome to the Ad Ideas Podcast. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 2. It is a beautiful Friday in Cape Town. It is hot. It's been hot lately, actually. You know, I know a lot of people all over the world where it's winter. <laughs> I don't want to hear how hot it is, but it is very beautifully hot. I am enjoying my cup of coffee, ironically. So thank you for buying me coffee. This is to many more coffees that I'm going to receive and to many more great conversation and inspiring ideas. I've been having a very good time since we released the first episode. It's been quite a beautiful journey, beautiful reception. Thank you all for being so embracing of the messaging and the show. Yeah, like so much for the love. Thank you so much for the love that is. And the support. I mean, you know, growth is always beautiful. And today I just want to talk about mostly self talk and reflecting on my journey you know i i realized yesterday when i was speaking with my partner that this year this year is actually the year where i am turning 30 yes three decades alive and it's been a phenomenal 30 years i won't lie i think it's been such a phenomenal journey so earlier this week i got an opportunity to connect with one of i'll say a phenomenal peer in the industry just so great catching up with her author of brown in a black and white world her perspective is truly amazing her work is also very amazing got to connect mostly about the industry and i got thinking to myself you know in this year of change a lot of things are happening it's election season it's election year it's a very critical election year i think good or bad people will either become closer or there'll be a bigger divide we've had 30 years to assess ironically i'm also doing 30 we've had 30 years in south africa to reflect on so many reforms that we wanted to do since 1994 and my partner and i were talking about the importance of voting today's reality is because of 1994 and i don't think a lot of us in south africa a many great number of us in south africa when you listen to what people are frustrated about i mean across all races in south africa trying to make a living trying to seek opportunity trying to connect the dots (laughs) trying to build your own ideas (laughs) bring your own ideas to life whatever the past 30 years has looked like i don't think a lot of us are in the same expectations of a quality of life that we hoped or we dreamt of in 1994 that was dreamt of to be ushered in in 1994 we've seen a lot of disappointments uh, we've seen a lot of leadership deficits i call them you know where there's a gap in leadership there's leaders who just want to hog opportunities they don't want to cultivate the next generation of leaders and that creates a vacuum of talent who people who know how to lead but because we often rely on experience far more than we rely on people's potential opportunities become so siphoned out and siloed out out of people's reach so it's been 30 years of south african south africa has gone through a lot you know i mean as a south african person who's lived my, most of uh, i've been basically my whole life in south africa i've seen the transition you know there was once a time where crime and safety i know it's a quite a big big top of mind concern for south african is crime and safety there used to be a time where you were not so anxious to leave your house there used to be a time where literally even as much as your mom said hey come back before dark you you were willing to break 
bend the rules and get home, you know, yes, there would be a few scoldings. But we come now from a place where we really had a community, a sense of community. And now we hardly have a sense of community. We have a sense of opportunists who really just want to grab power, who really want to just destroy rather than build, and who really want to subtract rather than add. That raises critical considerations and reflections about what type of leadership do we need in this year of change. It's not just enough to say we want change. You know, I think in 1994, there's a disconnection from what people voted for and what they're actually quite living. It's telling of what should we be beginning asking ourselves about what type of leadership we need for this country. You know, and we are in a year of change, not just for the country in a pivotal election such as this year. 30 years of democracy is nothing big light. You know, 30 years, a lot of people were left in the margins. And I think when you look at the progress 30 years ago, things have become tougher. Things, surviving has become more difficult. For example, it's so unfortunate that a lot of people who are born in this country, and it's similar in a lot of countries as well, you find this almost in every country, that people cannot afford living and surviving in their own country. They can't afford being a citizen of their country, let alone accessing opportunities. You know, I mean, we've had so many scandals of things failing. There's a lot of it out there in the internet everywhere. You know, if you want to depress yourself, go deep dive into the many problems that plague us. But I think more than anything, this is where we now have to see the birth of a new leadership. A leadership that is bold, a leadership that is critically ready to govern, and a leadership that is serious about change, because we cannot be be playing the same drum. I don't think people 30 years into democracy, we are now questioning the future of democracy. I mean, worldwide, a lot of people are really fearful about the future of democracy, the future of freedom. And I don't think that, you know, as countries increasingly go into conflict, as fates collide, different religions reinventing hate as people are re-engineering harmful tactics, as people are continuing a cycle of violence. We've shifted gears so many times. I want to contextualize this quite well. During, before COVID, we were paying less attention to the things that we needed to pay attention to. We were mostly driven towards just muting or humming to a beat that we knew couldn't play anymore. But now looking into COVID, even with the industry that we're in, a lot of leaders have treated ideas, inclusion, diversity, equity, accessibility, sustainability, DI, traditionally. They have viewed it as a fad, you know, like it's a once-off. I mean, I remember in 2020 during COVID, the atrocity that was committed, you had a lot of knights in shining armors, I'd call them, with valiant ideas, like these grandiose ideas of pledges. Oh, we're going to be pledging X amount of millions of dollars into this. Oh, we're going to be creating X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. Oh, very beautiful and flurry and sounds amazing, right? I mean, you're committing, let's say, $25 million of your revenue or you're pledging X amount. Oh, no one even knows where that money going to, if it even left or even went out to get, to get dispersed. Was it ever used? Did it even leave? Or was that just a cloud moment to just say, hey, we care enough just to make a statement, but we don't care enough to do anything about the statement. And you find a lot of lip services 
happening, not just in South Africa, but globally. Being in this work for, actually I'm closing a decade, being in this work for the past 10 years of embedding inclusion, building ideas for people, for companies, um, for leaders, you find that often lip service comes easy because people treat this work as a fad. They don't see it as an investment that really does hit your bottom line. If you want to attract new clients, if you want to attract the talent, the best talent, you want to get the best people, you want to build the best culture, you want to get the best results from people, you have to invest. It takes long. It's not an overnight way, oh, I'm going to throw in money and then tomorrow, hopefully, hopefully it just happens magically uh, and move on and get that ROI. It doesn't happen like that. It's a journey. And I think that's what people don't realize. And I now Looking into the 30 years of democracy, we've discovered a lot of fallacies that we promised, you know, we empty promises that were made. We have no, we hardly have any inspiring leadership. I think that's the, cru the crucible of the matter. Without leadership, leadership is so understated. How do you know where you're going? I mean, if you can't lead yourself and if you can't be able to take charge and ownership and accountability of what you are leading, and who you are leading. Where where are people going to go? What, where are we supposed to do? What are we going exactly? What must you can happen? So I've had a lot of reflections really. Like in this January, it's been such an eye-opener into the 30 years of my life. In 2022, post um, the aftermath of COVID, in the recovery years, early recovery years, when things were looking promising, kindness perspective from a self-care and a well-being perspective, you realize that a lot of times people lack the understanding. They see a tool, but they don't know or understand what the tool means. Well-being was so heavily emphasized and evangelized, you know, health alongside health during the pandemic. Um, in those lonely years, people couldn't even talk to each other. <laughs> you know, people couldn't even hug each other or even let alone, you know, it's, it's been a painful era for a lot of people. Straight out of that, we emerged into war. Next thing we saw economic difficulties globally, just pressure upon pressure upon pressure, budgets cut left, right and center, jobs lost left, right and center, people having to re-navigate and to go back to the drawing board countless times. I remember in the time when I was starting my company, at the time there wasn't any consolidation of how this recovery years well, it's been hardly any recovery. It's more like a conflict years. How they should be metasizing, you know, we, we had dangerous talks about people no longer moving from a hybrid system, more shifting now to the pre-COVID model, um, to the pre-pandemic model of work, to the pre-pandemic model of operating. In as much as COVID was a very difficult time, it also had opportunities of gems out of it. Number one, we got to appreciate what true universal flexibility means what mobility also looks like. We understood gentle parenting probably better. We understood mental illness far better. We interacted with well-being far better. I mean, people now are integrating themselves heavily into fitness, into their health ecosystem, into their mental health, self-care, into a lot of privileges that we used to undermine and undervalue for a long time. I'm reflecting now also my journey with relations to that, you know. I think I've been 
fortunate really to go on a journey of kindness, of self-kindness. I lost my mom in just on the heels of COVID uh, in 2021. We're approaching almost three years of her anniversary. And oftentimes I think about her legacy. She was building for us what she sacrificed for us as a family. The things that she had to do to make sure that we had education, that we make sure that we were more than taken care of, that there was love felt, that we were constantly inspired, constantly motivated to dream bigger, to aim higher, to pursue even more. She left such a big legacy that I often think of my relationship towards that. And part of that reflection prompted me to go on a self-kindness journey. As someone who struggles with anxiety quite a lot, you know, I mean, I think a lot of us do. It's probably natural. Some probably even more than others because you have to do a lot of interventions to manage and mitigate your anxieties. And just enjoy this cup of coffee. Thank you once again for the coffee. So if you want to buy us coffee, please use the link on this episode, buy me a coffee and inspire more and more to many more coffees, which I do love, by the way. So looking at my journey with kindness in the wake of grief, I understood better my relationship with myself. You never truly realize, I think a lot of us have lost our parents a lot. I've spoken to a great number of people who have lost loved ones, particularly their parents, and it doesn't get any easier. I, I can attest to that. It just doesn't get any easier. But what I've found helpful is kindness, self-kindness. I've realized that, number one, you will never receive a love like your mother's love. Parents' love is the closest thing to unconditional love. No one is going to love you, particularly as as hard as your mother. Like, no one in this world will love you far more than how much your mother or your parents love you. Or how much the people who raised you love you. If there's love, if there's psychological safety and healthy and affirming love. I had to think about my relationship with how I love myself unconditionally. Radical acceptance. And I remember in my therapy session, I spoke to my psychologist at the time. I was crying. I was in tears because it was such a powerful session. I was crying in tears and I was telling her that, listen, I miss my mom so much. It's hard to digest the vacuum that is left behind. The silence, the no longer there. They're no longer there physically. They're no longer there. The absence is, is, is it's heavy. It's heavy, when, especially when both of your parents have passed on. During those lonely moments, I thought to myself, you know, radical acceptance is very critical that I needed. And part of that radical acceptance was to have a self-talk of my own kindness journey. How, how do I view myself? And I discovered that actually no one's ever going to be kind to me other than how I am kind to myself. No one is going to be as radically accepting of myself than I am readily to accept myself. A lot of times people chase for kindness. People chase for energy. People chase for all for things that will fuel them up that are an immediate release. More than anything, I need to go back and rediscover myself now in isolation, in solitude. And this happened in the, in, in the mix of me starting a company, planning out this podcast, rolling out a lot of things, attending events, networking, building my career, solidifying my impact, setting my goals, moving forward and connecting more, building relationships that work, centering myself with people who are going to push me to do more. That navigation requires kindness you won't appreciate what you have if you don't know how you value yourself our value will not be determined by someone else 
we determine our own value by being kinder to ourselves. The more we see ourselves in the narrative of success, that's us being kind to ourselves, the more we see ourselves achieving those results that we've set, those goals that we've set, is the more we are kinder to ourselves. It's the form of self-care. I've evolved kindness to be my medium of self-care now because my self-care journey has transitioned from just a mindfulness-based model where there's mindful eating, mindfulness, but now overlaid with kindness. I look back and I think to myself, what is making me feel like I don't deserve to be here? What is it that is making me feel uncomfortable and I go to the source you have overcome a lot of things to get here and therefore that stumbling block is not going to determine who you are that obstacle is not going to determine your trajectory in life but how you respond to it does and how you respond to it requires kindness being a founder is quite a difficult journey I mean we live in an economy now where having one job is just not enough that's the reality you know having one job is just not enough at the same time people are striving for work-life balance and that's where the work-life balance is important your well-being is important you have to do things that fill your cup up you have have to focus on the things that restore you you have to speak power in your life like in 30 years you have to break away from cycles of intergenerational trauma from cycles of systematic burden nothing is stopping you from saying no consuming yourself by the obstacles that you cannot change to escape entrapments to escape red flags you have a vision you have a direction an idea of where you want to be probably by the end of this year or by June, or in six months, in three years, however that journey looks like, what does it feel like? We are in a rabbit hole of negativity. The thing you start realizing the patterns, it's important for you to understand which one or which voice you're going to give power to. And the only way to understand that, how do you manage change? Leadership is changing. Companies are talking about change. There's climate change, which is impacting lives significantly and livelihoods and communities shaping rapidly and drastically too. It's so revealing that in us going through a kindness journey, we need to understand what success should feel like, what service delivery and quality of life should look and feel like, what the quality of ourselves, how we experience ourselves should be, should feel like and look like. Take time to reflect like, but what does it mean in this level in my life to be in your own mind, to be soberly driven, to divorce yourself from the habits that subtracted you from being great, from the habits that really destroyed the value that you had to bring, the things that clouded your eyes, blurred opportunities for you, those limitations that we talked through ourselves. You have overcome a lot. You've established a backbone and a foundation to do even more greater things. And that should always be celebrated and the value proposition of your success. I've been also thinking about managing change. One thing about change is that it's inevitable. You can't change change. Be it positively or negatively, we emerged far more capable than we ever thought. We became far more expansive. We reached new territory. We achieved new milestones. We elevated, we disrupted situation. We disrupted industries. We became groundbreaking. What would your future self say to you? Managing change requires a lot of 
leaving room for good surprises. Yes, a lot of people don't like surprises in as much as they don't like change, but yet at the same time, we expect the things around us to change, yet we don't want to change, which is quite ironic. I always think, what do you mean? <laughs> Why do you want things, people around you to change? You cannot change people. You can influence that's what we can do at best. But the power to change rests in people's own agency, in people's own mindset, in people's own attitude, and it's people's own growth narrative. That's the only way you can come up top of, of winning. Also understanding which noise to, to leave out. We've had conflict after conflict, scandals. We lacked the impact. We lacked results. Many things were spoken. As I say, talk is cheap. Anyone can talk. I realized that there's so much power in muting the noise. You have to understand what is the noise in your life. Are you the one who's creating the noise in your life because of self-destructive behaviors? Which is something that we don't talk about, right? We are always talking about someone else at fault. But we hardly look at ourselves and say, but what did I do to contribute to this? What was my intention throughout this discovery? What was my intention throughout this journey? What is it that solidifies and allows me to claim a monopoly in a certain experience? There's more than one truth. Everywhere you look, there'll always be more than one truth. And your truth is very important into understanding how you also contribute towards different types of truths. Your environment will always change. Environments always change. The days are different. Times are different. That's why change is constant. But with change, there will always be noise. There will always be a reason why you can't do something. There's always... You can open a book right now... And you can write down immediately, jot down, why can't I achieve a million subscribers, for example? Why can't I start? And you will start, you, the laundry list will be a lot. You, you can probably fill up the whole library with, with your list of why you can't. I remember when I started this podcast, I say to myself, one, I want to strengthen my communication. I want to strengthen my connection. I want to strengthen my impact. And I want to build and grow as a leader, as partner in building ideas. I want to grow far beyond my wildest dreams. And the only thing to do that was to start something I knew nothing about, was to start something that really terrified me. There was a powerful snippet back in university that I was exposed to the powerful question that was always raised by one of my mentors shared among different mentors was the 5% courage rule. The 5% courage rule simply states, if I had 5% more courage, what would I do? Would I write a book? I still have to write a book. I know a lot of people have been asking me to write a book. So stay in tune for that. Would I start a business? Would What would I do if I had 5% more courage? Would I change careers? Would I leave a toxic relationship? Would I end a friendship? Would I grow myself? Would I improve my self-narrative? Would I build more of my brand? There are a lot of things that people ask themselves, what would I do if I had 5% more courage? And that every time I ask myself, that question has opened up so many more opportunities for me to grow. I remember when I started the podcast, most of these types of content is quite heavy. The subject matter itself is quite heavy. It's laden with a lot of history, with a lot of knowledge, with a lot of lived experiences, with a lot of hurt, with a lot of triggers. And it's important that we ask ourselves that 5% courage question. Out of that noise, you are able now to separate the intention of your growth towards change, your intention towards the impact that you want to create. And you're now focusing less uh, on the anxiety of change, on the things that 
are always going to be there. I mean, to think about it differently, I remember less what I was worried about last year. I don't, if, if you were to ask me, Bandile, what are the top 10 things that you were worried about and concerned and stressed about last year? I can tell you that I went through a strategy rebrand. I went through a vision clarity exercise throughout the year. I went through a refinement process of my value proposition. I consolidated a lot of business models. I went through a lot of immersive learning. I expanded my networks. I started conversing with people. I invited people. I engaged more. I was more connected. I did well in networks. I did well in my relationships. I did well in my planning. I did well in my goal setting. I did well in my fitness journey. Areas that I've started to do and the work that was done is easier to come in my mind than the worries that I was trapped by from time to time. I can't remember what I was worried about in January last year. You probably don't even remember what you worried about, but you do remember the results of the year. And that's what muting the noise allows you to do. You are allowing yourself to distance from the things that subtract you from your greatness. You are allowing yourself to distance yourself from the things that really don't inspire you. There's so much noise. There will always be noise. So that's the number one good surprise that I've learned with managing change is how to mute the noise. And that only is possible through kindness, self-talk. As understanding yourself more, being reflective, being cognizant of your achievements, your journey, your vision. No one can do the things that you are made to do. No one can achieve the things that you're going to achieve. We are all groundbreakers in the making. We are all troublemakers. And we all have to start from a place of discomfort to achieve the things that we have to achieve. Whether that is doing better time management, whether that means doing better self-care, going through a kindness journey, it means expecting better surprises from yourself than from others. Find the joy in how you surprise yourself. And you get a sense of accomplishments. You get a sense of purpose of, okay, this is not something that is foreign. This is so me. This is so connected to what I want to do with my life. This is connected to the longevity of my impact. This is connected to the purpose design. Looking ahead, you can't just get stuck in the past and get stuck in reflections. You can reflect all you want and get lost and drift and all of that. But there has to be a cutoff, right? You have to say, hmm, looking ahead, what am I keeping with me? What are the relationships I'm elevating with me? What are the ideas and the philosophies and the contributions that I'm elevating and I'm going ahead with? And what is my point of growth going towards? So I started working professionally more than six years that I've started working. I remember asking myself after changing my degree so many times and being deregistered from the university a few times because of my mental health, getting so inundated with questions about, oh, what do I want to solve? Or what do I want to do? Or what is, what is what? Where do I go? You know, a lot of times in varsity, we just do things for the sake of doing them because we just want to get out and get money without asking ourselves critical questions about what do I want to solve? If I want to go to this industry, what does my place look like there? What does my next step look like? What is my trajectory look like? And those are the questions that we hardly ask ourselves. What are my goals for this? And we hardly invite ourselves to ask that. And I think this way, a lot of us who are starting work, you just want to work and get money. And then you get nasty surprises along the way. Like, oh, there are things called budgets. There's things called adulting. There are things called responsibilities. There are things called bills. There are things called life uh, problems. There are things called solutions too. There are things called approaches too. There are things called rewarding yourself, paying yourself first. 
looking back, it's been such a change that has happened in my life and moving from more from a financier or development finance industry, going into a tech industry or advisory capacity and going mercingly fully now into the financial services industry and switching gears now back into uh, impact work and consultants and advisory work journey of podcasting and speaking. Self-talk is very important, especially in framing your mindset. Mindset matters. You cannot be something that you don't see for yourself. I couldn't be a podcaster or a podcast host. I couldn't deliver the results that I've delivered in my life without envisioning myself as being able to do that, without telling myself that I can do that. There's a resilience in positivity. There's a resilience in your mental framing. There's a resilience in how you talk to yourself. It's so important. In as much as when everyone is talking, there is power also in silence. Taking the time to keep quiet and listen. Listen more than you speak. Essentially, that's the essence. Because you learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot. And discovering yourself is a beautiful thing. You know, I look at how people have grown into their dreams and it's inspiring just to see people reach new heights recently trevor noah won an emmy being making history landmark historical mind-blowing achievement and to think that had it not been people who are gonna speak your name in closed doors that's why self-talk is important you can't imagine someone talking about your name in an opportunity behind a door that you are not in or in a door that you want to go into, yet you don't see yourself being in that room. It just doesn't make sense because how are you going to contribute when you're in that room? In my previous role, we talked about a lot about performing at the level that you want to be and not at the level that you are at. That's how you should be promoted. The approach to your career should always be like that. You shouldn't be starting at the level that you are. You should always start from a level that you want to be at. That's how important self-talk is. For example, seeing yourself as a manager, as a corporate leader, or as an author, or seeing yourself as someone who has value. You have to see yourself as value. You have to understand your value. From there, you are able to better articulate your proposition. You're able to articulate your offer. You are better to refine your goalposts and your parameters for success because your confidence is already there. So you have to do your own work first. No one is going to do the work for you besides you. You see yourself at that board level. You see yourself at the director level. You see yourself at the managerial, at the leadership level. You see yourself as the leader that you want to be. And you perform and you execute that even at an entry level. Even at any level that you are, your work ethic needs to be at the level where you want to be, not where you are starting from. Because that allows a continuity of a strong foundation for you to receive opportunities that you need to have in life. How you talk to yourself is important. Talking to yourself starts with being kind to yourself. How you see yourself is important. You need to be kinder to yourself because no one else in this world is going to tell you to be kind yourself. I will tell you that for free. No one in this world is going to be kinder to you or more kind to you than how you can be to yourself. No one is going to put you first if you don't put yourself first. No one is going to fill your cup if you don't fill your own cup. No one is going to give you your worth 
if you don't know your worth. No one is going to give you opportunities and speak your name in those doors if you don't see yourself in those opportunities and those doors that need to be opened. So that's why self-talk is so important. So today, with this cup of coffee that we have in hand, I want to know, what are your self-talk mantras? What are your limitations that you want to work against? Write them down. Let me know. Don't be afraid to send a message, connect, follow this podcast. We are everywhere, by the way. So for those who've missed it, we're on Apple Podcasts. We are on YouTube, TikTok, Spotify. We have us, we're on rss.com. We are on so many platforms. So please don't be shy to follow the show and the podcast it will help us tremendously with our growth it will help us tremendously with so much more and giving you value that you need think about your framing this year in this year of change not just locally but globally with the rise of the uncertainty of democracy with the rise of conflicts globally geopolitical concerns war incitements of violence unabated crime wrongdoing the noise is a lot but out of that noise, how are you talking to yourself? Where do you see yourself? And how does that feel? How does it feel to see yourself in a successful position that you want to be in? And what are you going to be doing and start doing to be in that feeling, to be in that reality that you want to be in? What changes do you want to do? Let me know. I'm so excited to learn more about what this year has to offer. This critical year, we'll either emerge together or we will merge more divided. It will be a very defining year of change. We can just change the script and say, this is how success should look and feel like. This is the quality of my life. This is the value of my presence. This is the framing of my opportunities. This is what wealth should feel and look like for myself. This is what prosperity, this is what generational wealth should look like. This is what building success should feel like. We need to now picture ourselves into those mentalities that really allow us to be great, that allow us to build good ideas. Thank you for joining this episode too. As always, it's always a pleasure to just open and be candid. Let the flow flow. Ha! Let the flow flow. With that said and done, I'm going to continue finishing my coffee. It's been a long time since I've been drinking this coffee. So thank you for buying us coffee. Please continue doing so. Support is always welcome. You know, sharing is caring. And I'm so excited to highlight some great conversations that are coming. Stay tuned for phenomenal guests. So over the next few episodes, I won't be alone. Uh, so you won't be listening to my voice rambling on and on. So I will be joined by some amazing, phenomenal leaders who have inspired change, who have had to change their self-talk, who have had to break down the barriers of the noise, who had to silence and mute the noise. So I'm really excited to bring those success stories into the fore and strategies on how to cope with change, how to cope with your self-growth and how to inspire others. So thank you so much for joining me on episode two. I am Bandilem Debele, your ideas partner. As always, feel free to rate and leave a review please it will help us your own reflection and thoughts connect let us know what you think also if you know a guest 
we are inviting you to please recommend guests. This link of recommendation is found on our links on this about page of the podcast. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful, prosperous end of January. Well, we are heading towards the end of January. May success follow you.